You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use the joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. All right, so today I have a very special guest. Uh, the voice of the Patriots, Bob Soshi. Bob, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm great, man. Nice to be with you. Yeah, appreciate uh, appreciate you joining me. So, uh, Bob Soshi, the guy uh, you can listen to uh, for the play-by-play uh, for all the Patriots games, uh, and uh, you know, uh, definitely a great follow on Twitter as well uh, at Bob Soshi. So. Uh, check him out for for everything you need from the Patriots, and you know if you happen to not be some you know be somewhere where you can't get to a TV uh, for the Bengals Patriots matchup, uh, you know the, it's uh, uh, always good to uh, check out 98.5 the Sports Hub and uh, you know see if you can log on there and uh, uh, you know through through either their app or online. Uh, definitely a, a, a great uh, radio coverage. Uh, from Bob Soshi and uh, and Scott Zolak, so uh, appreciate you being with me. Uh, so big matchup uh, this weekend uh, for the Bengals, anyway. I don't know in, in New England they probably overlook it a little bit, but um, so the Patriots uh, in a very interesting spot starting the year eight and zero. Now they have dropped three of the last five games. Uh, so what is going on with this Patriots team? Yeah, Matt, it's been a, an unusual year in a lot of respects. You're right, they started out 8-0, and really with their defense paving the way. It's defense that smothered opposing quarterbacks, granted many of them young quarterbacks, and all, also I think quarterbacks on teams that really were uh, very inferior. The Patriots had a soft schedule early. And you saw the likes of, for example, Luke Falk making his first NFL start for the Jets, completely overwhelmed. And then later when they played the Jets a second time, it was Sam Darnold caught on Mike on ESPN saying that he had ghosts. Patriots with a very experienced defense, really building on their success in Super Bowl 53 and giving these young quarterbacks a lot of exotic looks and with their experience being able to communicate and throw a lot of different coverages at them, uh, overwhelm them. And as the season's gone along, the offensive struggles have caught up to the Pats as they've played better teams. And they've lost to the three frontrunners outside the AFC East in the conference in Baltimore, at Baltimore, as well as Houston on the road, and more recently Kansas City at home. And I think in all those games you can point to primarily the offense. Now the Ravens got out to a 7 nothing lead in that game and the Patriots were knocked off for the first time this year. And the Pats had a real difficult time trying to catch up to the speed of that offense. Once they got things settled down, their offense got, got things going until the turnover led to a Ravens defensive score. 
against Houston. The Patriots really didn't play well in any aspect uh, early. The offense continued to struggle. And then against the Chiefs, they were outscored 17 nothing in the second quarter. And by the time they got going in the second half, it was too little too late. They wound up with an incomplete pass on a fourth and three from the Chiefs' five. big part of the story for the Pats offensively is similar to what the Bengals have experienced. When they've had opportunities in the red zone, they haven't been able to capitalize. Brady's been hampered by a lack of a running game behind a banged-up offensive line from the start this year. The loss of Rob Gronkowski's impact to the team. And then a wide receiver. They don't really have a lot of speed at that position, and they've gone through the season with number one draft pick from this year, Nikhil Harry, out for most of the year. They made the trade for Mohamed Sanu around uh, the trade deadline, and he had a good first game, but then suffered a high ankle sprain. So they're still searching for something offensively. The fact that they haven't got the running game going like they did late last year has been a big factor for them. Yeah, definitely. And, and uh, losing Gronk and not having that, that dominant running game like they had last year, uh, you know, you're going to see the effects of that, particularly uh, in the end zone. So, um, now, uh, what, what do uh, you attribute? Obviously, Gronk is gone, um, and, and I think in the past there have been years, including last year, where people have looked at the Patriots receiving core and said, well, well they don't have the weapons there. Uh, but when you had Gronk, um, I mean, you had a top-five receiver. You just had him playing tight end. Uh, so, so obviously, you know, he was, he was a huge contributor in that area. Um, so that loss is, is pretty obvious. Um, but what do you, uh, what do you attribute uh, the difference uh, in the run game to? Yeah, there's a, there's a few factors there, I think, and I think Gronk is a big part of that, honestly. He's one of the, of the best run-blocking tight ends of his or any generation. So you had him, plus you had Dwayne Allen, who was a good blocking tight end for this team the last two years. And then adding to that, the former Bengal practice squad player, fullback James Devlin, who came into his own as a vital piece of the Patriots offense in recent years. Plus, the center David Andrews, was lost in preseason because of blood blood clots in his lungs. Left tackle Isaiah Wynn, who stepped in for Trent Brown, who departed by way of free agency. Wynn got hurt with a toe injury in week two. And so without those key pieces, the Patriots have not been able to run the ball consistently. Sonny Michel last year had a good year as a rookie. 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns if you combine the regular season and the postseason. But he's had a difficult time just getting going this year. And then with James White, he's more of a, a third down back. He'll run, but he runs primarily out of the gun. He's an exceptional receiver. And with Rex Burkett, a guy that the Bengals fans know well, he's been out of the lineup a good chunk of the season because of injury problems. I think right now he's probably their best runner given their personnel up front because he hits it quick. Michelle's a guy that is a little more tentative looking for that hole to run through and then make a cut and accelerate. Uh, but they just haven't had the continuity on the offensive line. And their tight ends have not been able to give them what they got from Gronkowski and Allen in any way last year as dominant run force blockers. Yeah, that's a – I mean, those are some big losses up front. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a fullback and, and tight end position as well. So uh, you can definitely see where, where that's, that's just going to add up for them and, uh, yeah, you're right. You know, I think Burkhead's one of those guys. As soon as he went to the Patriots, it's like man, they're, they're going to use him. They're going to they're going to get it. 
<laughs> so uh, glad to glad to see him having uh, having some success, but uh, it is a it is a bit painful as well. Um, but even yeah, in that running ro- rotation, uh, you know we're we're seeing uh, Brandon Bolden, you know traditionally more of a special uh, teams guy, getting getting some uh, some attention in there, and you know despite uh, two pretty high draft picks. Uh, in the last two years, with with Michelle and, and Damian Harris, this last year getting in there, yeah, uh, you know, seeing seeing Bolden in there pressing for time. Uh, the, the interesting thing about the Patriots, uh, I, I, you know, you feel like other teams don't just stack themselves at running back like like that, but uh, you know, they they definitely see the value in, in putting a lot of talent at that position. Yeah, it's interesting, Matt, because the team has gone through these cycles. When I started calling the Patriots games in 2013. They had Stephen Ridley and Shane Vereen. Both of them were second-round picks. But the Patriots had always been a team that used value and value versus cost to field their roster more effectively than most other teams around the league. And, you know, around the league, the running back position seems to be one where people think you can get more value with less cost. And yet the Patriots have used a lot of draft capital, as you said, in the last two years to try to restock at that position. In White's case, he was a fourth-round pick, and he's had a terrific run for the past. But it all began with a redshirt season behind Vereen in 2014, and I think that's a bit what we're seeing with Damian Harris, a third-round pick from this past year out of Alabama. He's had some nagging injuries, hamstring in preseason, periodically during the season. But I think for the most part, he's not an active member of the roster on game days, typically. He's been active for only a couple of games this year because this is his season to redshirt. And Michelle has been a disappointment this year uh, because they were looking for him, I think, to break out not only as a runner but as a pass catcher coming off last season, and it just hasn't happened today. Uh, with Bolden, he's, he's an invaluable member of this team, and they brought him back. They, Brandon was a guy who made the Patriots as an undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss. He was a fourth, fifth back in, in the stable, but if he ever needed somebody to come in and just pass protect, catch the ball periodically out of the backfield, uh, run it when you needed to. Somebody could do everything not great but well enough. Brad Bolden was your guy. And there were times when the Patriots used him after Ridley fumbled, or Garrett Blunt fumbled, or someone was hurt. And you know what? He, 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 he didn't hurt them. He only helped them. He went to Miami last year. The Patriots released him out of training camp. And the thinking was, okay, they're going to re-sign him. Well, the Dolphins claimed him before they could. Went to Miami, and he had his best game against the Patriots. He ran for two touchdowns, including a 54-yarder, and he came back to the past this year as a free agent. And he's been a he scored four touchdowns. He had the jet sweep touchdown last week versus the Chiefs. He's a guy who makes plays on special teams. He's a good cover man. He's a guy who can get to some punts and kicks. Uh, and if they need him this weekend against the Bengals, and I think you know they may very well need him because – they don't have a guy who's a good north-south runner, and in Bolden's case, you know maybe that you know that's his role in short yardage situations. Like I mentioned earlier, that they've struggled in the red zone, and uh, they haven't been able to run the ball. Indeed, Michelle is a guy that has scored a lot of touchdowns early in his career. I noted the the uh, 12 last year overall. He's got six this year, but three of those were in one game. He hasn't scored of late. But maybe Bolden is that guy. If they get down there, they feel like they've got to run the ball inside the five. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's funny because there's uh, been some success for Rex Burkhead in New England, 
but another former Bengal, Jeremy Hill, uh, was probably meant to be that short yardage guy uh, when Mike Gillisley didn't work out, and uh, you know they, they, they can't seem to find uh, that piece of the running back stable. But uh, yeah, interesting about Bolden. You know, I think there was a game earlier this year where both Bolden and Matthew Slater scored touchdowns. And, I mean, if, if you could somehow get Nate Ebner into that mix, that would have been the most uh, <laughs> Belichick game of all time. Or, yeah, that or, was a or end around to Cordona yeah. or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, actually, there's I remember the Bills game where Matthew scored his first career touch. So you're right. I mean, the Patriots field more core special teamers than anybody else in the league, I'd have to think. As good as the Bengals are in special teams, Ebner, the former rugby player at Ohio State, Drafted by the Pats with very limited college football experience, none on defense, and he's been a Pro Bowl caliber special teamer during his career. Slater, Pro Bowler just about every year, seven times. He's had a block kick this year with a tremendous play uh, against the Cowboys. He had a uh, block punt recovery for a touchdown against the Bills. On top of that, as you mentioned, you have Bolden. You have Justin Bethel, who's a three-time Pro Bowler as a special teamer. Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson are a good cornerbacks for this team, but they've made plays on special teams, and Belichick can invest a lot in that in that phase of the game. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, and and it shows, um, and it definitely shows up just about every week uh, for them. So, um, you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna miss out on those opportunities uh, when when they have an opportunity to change the game with that stuff. So, now, uh, you know, moving on to the pass game, uh, so. Obviously, Antonio Brown's got to go. Uh, you know that one. That one made sense. It was kind of a surprise to me, even though everybody saw it coming. I, I was a little surprised they did it in the first place. Uh, but Josh Gordon, you know, given their uh, where they were at as a position, came as a bit of surprise of a surprise to me. Uh, beyond Edelman, you know, what do you think of of the rest of this group, and maybe more importantly, what do you think Brady thinks of the rest of this group? Well, that's been a big topic locally here, and it certainly seems that Brady, uh, based on you know what he has said at times, how he has looked in press conferences at times, and uh, how you know certain reporters that are pretty tied into his his camp, well sourced in the so-called Brady camp, you hear that a lot around here, the Gronk camp, the Brady camp, in New England media circles, that, that, that there's been dissatisfaction with some of the pieces surrounding him, and understandably so. I do think that he's taken a more positive outlook of late. I do think Mohamed Sunu is a guy that Brady uh, reportedly wanted and has been very positive about. The, the issue there is that Sunu's had the ankle injury that's really hampered him of late. And that being said, he's also not a speed guy, and the Patriots really have lacked that. Gordon and Brady honestly did not get on the same page uh, with the back shoulder fades, with some of the, the passes that, I think a lot of people thought they would almost automatically complete. And he goes back to last year. There were games where Josh Gordon was targeted 12 times, for example, in Tennessee, where he just didn't have the impact that you expected. And I think this year he came back to camp when he was reinstated conditionally by the league a little bit bigger. He's a, he's a tremendous physical specimen. He's in great physical shape, but he's a little bit more muscular, a little bit, bit bigger than I think people anticipated. And he just didn't have the explosiveness. And, and frankly, really was not the player that I think people within the Patriots organization and certainly people outside of it expected him to be. So that necessitates the move to try to 
give Brady a, a weapon, a speed weapon, and somebody who can create some some coverage, uh, uh, fa- favorable matchups for other guys uh, with with Antonio Brown, and and, and it almost smacked of desperation at the time, and they brought Brown in, and and it, it, by the by the middle of his first week with the Patriots, is only we were the Patriots, of course. Uh, you know, there there were uh, allegations made on top of you know, the, the conduct he had shown in Oakland and conduct off the field that you know, put this organization in a very embarrassing situation, and there was no choice but to let him go. I was surprised, like you, in the first place that they brought him in, particularly with the way things ended in Oakland. Uh, with regards to, uh, you know, that outside threat, it, it's, it's just really limited the Patriots in a lot of ways because, as you might have seen in the Kansas City game, uh, there are times where Edelman is going to be left open. I mean, the teams have gone back to the zone periodically. But I think when it really matters, you're seeing the Chiefs, for example, last week and others try to double Julian Edelman. And Brady really doesn't have a core receivers that he, he truly trusts right now with the rookies Myers and Harry. It's also forced Philip Dorsett, who is a speedster, to, to kind of play, try to play a different role a role that maybe he's not best suited for. What I'm going to be interested in this weekend is to see what kind of adjustments Josh McDaniels does as they try to find a different identity offensively and try to put some people in different positions. This, is, I would think, would be a good game for Nikhil Harry. He made a, a real great effort play that should have been a touchdown against Kansas City. Let's see if McDaniels and the Patriots find a way to get him the ball more the rookie out of Arizona State. McDaniels indicated they have to do that during his weekly media conference call here. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Sanu, another former Bengal, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it, additionally too, uh, uh, you know, Sanu's a guy that everybody's running with their quarterback nowadays, um, and it, it seems like an obvious move, but Belichick is never one to make obvious moves, so. I'm curious to see with a healthy, healthy Mohamed Sanu if if they go to some type of wildcat package, uh, you know, to help out with some of the issues they've had, and, and you know, uh, taking away a guy the offensive line has to block by being able to use uh, a running quarterback uh, in that way, especially in the goal line. Um, you know, I wonder if that was that's something that that they would do to try and uh, deal with some of the issues they're having. Uh, but like I said, I you, know, you never know. Yeah, I think with <laughs> Yeah, I know you did. You never know, and I think I think with his ankle, maybe that m- makes it a little more unlikely in this situation. And also with Tom Brady, sure. quarterback, uh, despite the numbers, you, you know you still, you still got to be careful about taking the ball out of his hands. That being said, though, Julian Edelman has thrown a touchdown pass in the last month or so against Philadelphia, and James White, a running back for the Patriots, threw a pass on Sunday against Kansas City in the fourth quarter to Jacoby Myers. They've never been averse to trick plays. They've used to, I think, trick plays mm-hmm. more this year including a flea flicker for a touchdown in the Chiefs game mm-hmm. than in past seasons. Uh, and Belichick and McDaniels, you know, are they're not afraid to utilize, you know, the gadget play here or there, and they've got a number of guys. You know about Sunu, which, again, makes it less likely that Muhammad's going to pass because the, if anybody knows how well he can throw it, it's the Bengals. And <laughs> Absolutely. With, you know, with Edelman, Obviously, he's had great success. I think he's four for four in the regular season. Plus, he's got a touchdown pass in the postseason to Danny Amendola. is one of the most memorable plays in Patriots history. And then I just mentioned James White and Rex Burkhead. Uh, while in college at Nebraska, could throw it a little bit too. So, 
Yeah, I don't think there's anything Rex Burkhead can't do. He's 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 the uh, perfect oh. Belichickian player, uh, <laughs> other than the injuries. But and uh, you know yeah. about uh, Mohamed Sanu is, is uh, we we know all about uh, ankle injuries in Cincinnati this year. So uh, <laughs> I I'm, I'm with yeah. you on that one. But uh, now so on to the Patriots uh, defense. Uh, now they were absurd at the beginning of the year. Um, they did not give up a a touch to their defense didn't give up a touchdown uh, until week four. Um, uh, you know, so they're averaging less than a touchdown for a while there. Uh, you know, now they're, they're still leading the NFL. Uh, they're uh, less than 13 points per game. Uh, the Bengals uh, have not been able to score very many points per game uh, throughout the year. Uh, and so, you know, with this defense, uh, you know, what do you think uh, – uh, you, you know, where do you think they stand on, on a historical standpoint? You know, uh, looking at the early season when, uh, outside of the Bills, they weren't playing the toughest roster compared to how they they've struggled uh, uh, in in a few games recently. You know, who who is this defense really? Well, that's the question I think a lot of people were asking early in the year because of the strength of the schedule, uh, because they were playing at an historic level, on par if not uh, even better than the Bears of 85 and the Ravens of 2000, statistically speaking. They had a terrible start against the Ravens. And I think when you look at that game, there's the unique circumstances of playing that offense with Lamar Jackson and not being able to simulate it to the speed with which Baltimore runs that offense at the start. Uh, The Ravens score, the Patriots go three and out on offense, and the Patriots' defense is right back out there with no time to make adjustments. And the next thing you know, they're in a two-score hole. Against the Texans, I think there are also some extenuating circumstances. Not an excuse, but uh, it was a team-wide, essentially, virus, flu. You know, we never got an official uh, diagnosis on, but there was a rampant uh, uh, number of players were were ill. uh, And I think you can see that they, they... they had a difficult time from an energy standpoint, I think, with the Texans. And Houston played a great game. Deshaun Watson played extremely well in that game, and Bill O'Brien called a very good game along with Tim Kelly, his offensive coordinator. Against the Chiefs, they gave up a couple of big plays on a, on a crucial drive when Kansas City had a second down, and, or rather a third and 19 to convert to set up a second and 25, 48-yard touchdown pass. Other than that, they played really well against Kansas City. Only allowed three points in the second half. Uh, they gave up scores on short fields after an interception and as well a block field goal attempt. So I think you come out of that game and you think, okay, there's still legit good defense. Not maybe the historically great defense that they had appeared to be early in the year. But I think that they're equipped, should they see any of those teams again in the playoffs, to, to produce different results. Because I think that this isn't a defense, again, assuming they're going to be healthy, that can cover, uh, they can cover man. Uh, Gilmore, Stefan Gilmore has been, you know, in the opinion of people here, and I would think even uh, many others around the league, uh, the best cornerback in the league, Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys, called him the best defensive player in the league a couple of weeks ago when he completely shut out Amari Cooper. But he's not alone. It's a, it's a secondary that has good corners, very reliable safeties. Devin McCourty's the leader back there. The linebackers have played very well this year. Jamie Collins in his second stint as a Patriot. Uh, has come back with a different attitude and very, very focused after they traded him in 2016 to the Browns. He's also playing on a one-year deal, so he's got a lot of motivation. And he's a freak athletically, 
I think this year he's been uh, a big force in that defense along with Kyle Van Noy. But, uh, you know, with with the Patriots and, and, and with Belichick, you know, there's that added dimension where you have Bill able to put together game plans, uh, particularly when, when there's that time to prepare, for example, in the Super Bowl. And last year they were able to completely confuse an overmatched quarterback, Jared Goff. So that, I think this is a team that, if they're able somehow to manage the the offense to a point where they get any kind of efficiency in the red zone and, and are able to score when the defense gives them opportunities, like against the Chiefs, Patriots took a 7 nothing lead. Next series for Kansas City, it's an interception at the Chiefs 40. But the Pats go 3 and out with minus one yard, and they don't take advantage. If this team can get that offense not up to the – Brady, Patriot level of the past, but at least approach it somewhat, I think they'll be in good stead. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, too. Um, I mean, obviously, I think we all know that, that Belichick is uh, is going to be involved in the defense no matter who is calling the plays uh, defensively. Yes. Uh, but, you know, they're on their, their third defensive play caller in three years. Um <laughs> And and uh, you know they just just keep uh, being able to produce on that side of the ball. Um, you know I also think I think a lot of people talk about having a basketball team uh, offensively and and having you know, yeah. fast receivers and big receivers and different types of guys. Um, and and this Patriots uh, defense is you know one of the one of the closest I've ever seen to that. Um, you know the way. You can tell what the game plan is by by who starts a corner op- opposite Gilmore. Um, you know Gilmore's lockdown mm-hmm. shutdown, but uh, you know if it, if it's McCourty, we're going to see more zone and, and JC Jackson. You know an excellent man corner, not in there as much in the zone situations. Uh, and then yeah, you, Jonathan Jones you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you know has, has been phenomenal. One of the, uh, in my opinion, one of the more underrated defensive backs in the league. Um, and and you know, the interesting thing about Gilmore and you know in the time that you've covered the Patriots. Uh, you know, I, I, I would, I would say that uh, they generally uh, would would go away from uh, playing man to man on the team's top receiver, uh, and and you know would let McCourty play over the top. You know, have have their second corner over there, uh, and and have their first corner shut down their number two guy. Uh, but they they let Gilmore match up with those guys. Uh, you know, and, and, and we, you know, we saw it with Amari Cooper, who he absolutely shut out of that game. So, uh, yeah, terrific, you know, terrific group of athletes back there. And I think, and Collins, I think adds to that a little bit too. Um, I haven't seen it, you know, at, you know, quite as much this year, I don't think, in, in, in as, as they did the first time around, but, you know, he's a big guy that can, that can run and match up on tight ends. So, uh, scary, yeah. scary group defensively. They can be, yeah. And I think if they play the, you know, if they if they're fortunate enough to get to the playoffs to a point where they get the Ravens again, I would imagine they'll be a little more aggressive. I think, think early in that game they won the heavier front, uh, and <clears throat> again the speed. I think they were overwhelmed initially by the speed and their fast defense. It'll be interesting to see if they they played them again. Same same thing with the Chiefs. I think that. Uh, last year in the AFC Championship, for example, a big part of that game was putting Gilmore on Travis Kelsey late in the game. And uh, the Patriots shut down Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and they still had to go to overtime to beat the Chiefs, rallying to get to overtime uh, to do it. But 
in, in, in this, in, in, with this year's group, I think there's the athleticism from front to back overall is really, really impressive. Yeah, you know, and, and mentioning the Ravens, um, you know, the the big consequence of that game is uh, is uh, the uh, home field advantage. Um, and with the Ravens, uh, by the time a lot of people are listening to this podcast, uh, likely having defeated the Jets, and then their, their last uh, two weeks they play in the, the Browns uh, and the Steelers, um, you know, likely that they end up getting home field throughout. And uh, the, if, if that second matchup does occur, uh, it's going to be in Baltimore again. But uh, always yeah. interesting to see Belichick the second time around. Um, and I, I feel like there have been times in the past where, Particularly with the Steelers, I feel like he, I feel like Belichick would sometimes mess around with Mike Tomlin uh, when they played in the regular season. Like that's like that's not the real game plan. We'll we'll see in the playoffs of the real game plan. Uh, but you know they absolutely did not do that against the Chiefs in the regular season last year, and, and they didn't do it against the Ravens uh, this year either. So uh, would, yeah. would definitely be interesting to see round two. Um, on that note, um, you know way back in the day uh, the. The uh, when the Dolphins came out and, and brought the Wildcat into the NFL, um, you know that was that was the Patriots matchup, and um, you know despite the fact that Belichick's probably one of the only uh, you know head coaches in the league that that rec- would recognize uh, <laughs> what that what that offense really was and what they were doing, um, you know it, it was something that they had some struggles with. Uh, yeah. and I think historically they've had struggles with uh, mobile quarterbacks overall. Yep. Um, yeah. And then you see Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, uh, scoring on a, on a zone read uh, in the Chiefs game. So, uh, you know, is that something uh, that you think the Patriots are susceptible to? Is, is that the, uh, you know, the Achilles heel of this defense? Well, you know, it's funny. They have been of late. Uh, and we have a mobile quarterback, the MO for the Patriots, for most of my career calling the games, this is now my seventh season, when they faced a mobile quarterback, they often zone. They're a better man-to-man team. I think this year they, they've, they've strayed from that a bit. Uh, beyond that, though, as you've touched on, uh, the triple option plays, not only Kelsey and, 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 and a Wildcat, but it was really a, a loaded pistol, if you'll pardon that expression, where you have the diamond formation, uh, the two halfbacks plus a, a back behind uh, the quarterback. Now, the Ravens had success with that formation, and then the Texans ran out of that formation and threw a pass play. Watson sold pass. I mean, he's rather sold run, and then dumped it off the tight end, Darren Fells, for an uncontested touchdown. Then the Chiefs break it out on the, on the goal line, and Kelsey runs it in for the score. And I asked Evan McCourty about it during the, the press conference on Wednesday here, and he said, yeah, you know, it's assignment football. And on each of those plays – where they struggled and gave up big plays to that formation, it was one guy, not everybody, but one guy not maintaining assignment, breaking down, and they better they better figure it out soon. So I, I think that, that you know that that is something that they are susceptible to right now. Uh, one of the reasons why I think with Belichick that he does have success at times facing a team the second time, for example, the Rams in 2001, and that season, they blitzed the Rams a lot in the regular season, and then he, he realized after the game, it was a close game, that if they saw him again in the postseason, which they did, of course, if they had a chance to play him again, they would defend them differently. 
they wouldn't necessarily be aggressive with pressures, but they would be aggressive with physicality at the line. And, and they, of course, uh, knocked Marshall Falk around a lot in that ball game and disrupted the timing of the Rams receivers. And I think the same thing uh, with Belichick uh, is consistent throughout his career uh, in, in, in that he's a great student of history of, of his teams of the game. And that includes learning from mistakes that his team made in a previous matchup and applying the lessons from those games, you know, the next time around. Now there are, there, there are a lot of people that will point to the statistics that show that also the, the, when the Patriots have lost to teams in the regular season, they have generally lost to them as well in the postseason. That hasn't always been the case more recently than early in his career with the Pats. You mentioned the Steelers, for example. Uh, but I, I think, you know, when you, when you look at him again, it's applying the lessons, you know, Realizing what worked, what didn't work. I don't think he's one necessarily to save things, so to speak, or to play possum in a regular season matchup, but he will certainly learn from it uh, the next time around. Yeah, and, you know, I, I appreciate you uh, referencing McCourty there and, and mentioning the assignment football because, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, not to speak negatively of your profession, but, uh, I get a little frustrated watching uh, Russian Ravens TV games because I, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the TV guys have no idea what that offense is. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate uh, appreciate that that that, uh, that understanding of, of the option looks they're giving you and, and, and how the assignment football works into that. So um, well, I called 16 years of the Naval Academy, so I saw a lot of the triple option in college. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, all right. So there you go, and, and I, you know I know there was a. Uh, a lot of talk over the over the summer, uh, criticism actually in Baltimore uh, about uh, them bringing Paul Johnson in as a consultant, and people were like, "Oh, they, you know, they, you know, that's a triple option." And I'm just thinking, yeah, everybody runs a triple option in the NFL, and they just do it out of shotgun. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, you, you now, you're, uh, you're well researched. You, you, you're, you're well informed. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the the thing, and I think. Uh, uh, Really, triple option. Uh, you know that, that that explains a lot a lot about you and how you call games. Because uh, to me, uh, I, I never coached triple option, but I coached against triple option. And and when you start to have an understanding of triple option football, everything else in the game makes sense. You know, even when it's even when it's not triple option, everything else makes sense, and everything you know, it's the, it's the glue that makes everything else come together, in my opinion. So. Well, yeah, um, Matt, you touched on, you know, and I would just, you mentioned Paul Johnson having worked with him. He, he would often talk about the, the, the spread option, you know, the spread, the spread offenses. You know, they're, they're really predicated on a lot of the same premises. It's about, you know, it, it, it's, it's math, more or less. It's, you know, in, in, in a lot of the, with the zone read, you're not blocking it. You're not, you're, you're leaving one guy on block to give yourself an advantage somewhere else. And, and you know, eventually you, you're going to be at a point where you're going to force a defender to commit one way or the other, and then you option off of that. Yep, and you know, and when there's only one guy responsible for an athlete like Lamar Jackson, uh, yeah, you know, there's there's going to be breakdowns yeah. sometimes. Uh, so, no question. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, even even the Ravens' propensity this year to go for it on fourth down—that's uh, that's triple option. They don't. You know, fourth and fourth and short. Fourth, you know, they don't they don't shy away from that. They don't put the punter on the field. Uh, I, I coached the game against uh, uh, one of 
one of Johnson's uh, former assistants, uh, Mike Seawalk, way back in the day, yeah. early in my career, and uh, down at uh, Georgia Southern. Um, and uh, we you know, we came out defensively. Uh, we the first drive uh, held them for three plays. It was it was fourth and one, and we were feeling pretty good about life. They went for it, marched right down the field, and uh, we, I don't I don't know if we got into a third down situation the rest of the game. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think we were pushing sixty points that day. So uh, <laughs> but that's and that's, you know, that's uh, exactly what it is. It's it's, it's all triple option concepts. People uh, just because they run the ball doesn't mean they're conservative. So. Um, right. Now I've got to do it. Uh, so the <laughs> so the, uh, the end, you got to. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the the we're on to uh, Cincinnati yeah. uh, narrative got shut down pretty quickly uh, by Spygate Two, uh, the the worst sequel uh, in the world. Uh, what's uh, what's going on with the uh, with the Patriots and the uh, um, the do your job crew? Uh, allegedly out there filming the Bengals sideline. Yeah, and, and I think it's important for people who are listening to this and for you to understand a, a couple of things about my background. I, I've worked for the Patriots. This is my seventh season calling the play-by-play. I was hired by the flagship station, uh, WBZ-FM 98.5, the sports hub in Boston. And for my first season, worked for 98.5, the sports hub, and, and only 98.5, the sports hub. And then in year two for me, and ever since, I've worked for the Patriots as well on a part-time basis, contributing to their website and some of the shows uh, for Kraft Sports Productions. The Patriots have uh, the Kraft family uh, has a a, a a business model in which they have a, a soccer team and a football team uh, as their sports properties, and then have Kraft Sports Productions that generates a lot of content uh, for both of those teams. And we're talking the Patriots here, and it's not only content on the web and social media, but also television. I host a weekly television roundtable show with two former Patriots players. There's another show that airs on the CBS affiliate that is produced by Kraft Sports Productions. Uh, Also, Kraft Sports Productions produces the Patriots preseason games. And this is the second season that the Patriots have won a, had a series called Do Your Job. And it's not, there's nothing alleged about uh, what they were doing in terms of the Do Your Job documentaries they put together they were out this is a crew that was uh filming episode three season two uh the life in an, of an advanced scout of the patriots it, it follows last year's episodes which included a profile of a longtime personnel assistant for the patriots nancy myers and what she does on a daily basis uh, it also follow, follows a piece last year on the college scouting department uh, with monty Ossenfort and his college scouts and how they go about you know, what they do. And, and I think that may have included, uh, you know, a visit to a pro day or, or a campus visit. Uh, so it, it, it's something that they, they, they put a lot of time and effort into. Uh, more recently, there was a, a feature on uh, the equipment staff of the Patriots and, and the training staff, I think, was the, the last vignette that was put together. And these run on uh, – they're archived on the website. Anybody can see them. Uh, and I have a personal relationship with the people that work for Craft Sports Productions. And, uh my understanding of the situation is essentially what's been reported uh, by and large. The, uh, the crew was sent out to Cleveland. Uh, the, the Browns PR staff credentialed it. Uh, they were uh, there to interview and uh, get some video of one of the Patriots' advanced scouts advancing the Bengals. And uh, in the Cincinnati, in the uh, Cleveland press box, the crew was set up and uh, 
one of the Bengals uh, PR staffers or someone from the Bengals, as as people by now know, uh, saw that the whether it was I, it's been described as a monitor. Um, you know, I don't know if it was the viewfinder or the camera, if it was actually a, a, a larger monitor. You know, saw that the camera was fixed on on the field and on the the sidelines, as as, as reported by uh, by a number of others. The Patriots issued a statement. Uh, essentially saying that, that they were on the wrong. I think they they tried to make it clear they apologized, they apologized for it, that, that there was an error that occurred unknowingly by an independent contractor, photographer, videographer. Uh, there was a producer there who, who was who is a full-time employee of Craft Sports, and uh, the football operations was not responsible, and Belichick was very adamant about that again on Wednesday in his, in his press conference. But they have a past that, people know about and and whenever there is a, an alleged impropriety or in this case yeah there, there was an error on, on admittedly some of the patriots uh, in their statement addressed that and and i think we're, we're open about it uh naturally you know the patriots are, are going to have to uh, you know deal with their past being revisited and and that's just a, and i can't can't blame the Bengals. I, I certainly understand why you know they they were not alerted to the fact that there was going to be a video crew there that would be uh, shooting video in the press box. Um, you know, so right now I think we just we, we wait to see what, what, what the NFL does, how it proceeds. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of content that they shot, and reportedly the, the, there's about eight minutes um, the, of video that uh, is, is in question right now. Um, but like I said, I have a personal relationship. I, I work with Craft Sports a lot. Um, I, I know some of the people that are very much involved, and I feel extremely, extremely confident. And, and I don't say things that I, I don't believe. I, I feel extremely confident. There was nothing nefarious. There's no skullduggery here. Uh, it, it was an innocent, uh, honest mistake, uh, and it wasn't done to gain any competitive advantage over the Bengals on their part. I, I, I do believe that, knowing the people that were involved. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely caught the the this Spygate sequel, and you got to think that uh, that they'd be smarter to than to do something, you know, so similar <laughs> to, to that to that well, again. Well, uh, yeah. you know, and and, and 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 there is there is no look, there is no excusing um, the lack of awareness or lack of knowledge that you can't you can't shoot video of the field from from the press box. And, you know, that's something that they're dealing with. And I think they've admitted that as an organization for sure. Um, and uh, with with regard to, like I said, pe- people are well aware of the Patriots' past. There are coincidences. Uh, and I think that, you know, you come back to if they're going to do anything, if anybody's going to do anything like that, I mean, the last thing I think you would do is is, is be so visible in the press box. And I, again, I just knowing some of the people that are involved, and uh, yeah, I think you know, I, I feel very confident that uh, you know what the Patriots, the statement the Patriots put out was 100% true. Um, I don't know what's on that video. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Uh, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what the NFL rules, and and that will tell us more. And and there may be stuff on that video that. You know, uh, people will look at and say uh, outside of New England uh, that, you know, there, there's definitely something there there. And there may be something on that video that, uh, you know, we all look at and say there's nothing there. Uh, we'll, and, then, and then, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, and 
you know, I don't think uh, we didn't get to we didn't get to hear a, a Belichick, uh, you know, Mona Lisa Vito kind of response, unfortunately. But uh, I, Belichick is never more relatable than when he's forced to answer questions that have nothing to do with football. Uh, <laughs> just just that how annoyed he is that he has to deal with it. Um, I, I mean, I really think all of us can appreciate uh, that. I think I think everybody's been in a situation where you're like, why, you know, whatever whatever you do for a living, uh, where you're just forced to deal with stuff, and you're like, this is not my job. Why am I? Why are we even talking about this? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it's also uh, important too, Matt. The other thing, I, the one last thing I would stress too about it is that you know, Bill and Bill's articulated that uh, this not only this week but many many times in the past, whenever the name Paul Brown has come up whenever the Patriots have played the Bengals, if there's been some reason to comment on the Bengals and the Brown family in general. Bill idolized Paul Brown, and Bill has a tremendous, or at least he was one of his role models. And I know that Bill's father uh, felt the same way about Paul Brown. Uh, Bill's godfather, uh, I believe, coached or played under Paul Brown. Um, and, you know, he has tremendous respect for Mike Brown and the Brown family. And I think, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, I certainly have considered all, all week long, and, and Belichick reiterated it again today. I know there's a great relationship there, which doesn't apparently exist necessarily with a lot of other owners and, and people around the NFL uh, and Mike Brown. Uh, so I think that, you know, that's something also to consider as well. Yeah, definitely. And and, and I can, uh, you know, uh, being a, uh, a transplant, living in New England myself, that, that, that's something I've noticed a lot. And a, a lot of the New England media is, is – uh, has picked up on on that. Um, it's something that I'm sure doesn't get the national attention that it gets around here, and uh, you know probably something that that I need to write about on Cincy Jungle to to, uh, to let Bengals <laughs> fans know about a little bit at some point. But uh, we'll, maybe we'll get to that in the off season when things slow down. But um, but yeah, I think uh, the, the Browns are they're one of the old families, and I, and I think uh, yeah. overall, I think. Uh, uh, certainly, Paul Brown because of the method that that he he taught really. Uh, but you know, you see Belichick. He, he he likes the he likes the Giants. He likes the Bengals. You know, he he likes the the, the old family owned teams. Uh, seems to have a preference with those. So, yeah, no question about it. He's a great reverence for you know the 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 traditional uh, football family run organizations, the Giants, uh, the Steelers. Uh, the, and 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 the Bengals slash you know Browns with with Paul Brown and that that family's tremendous lineage and a tremendous history rather uh, in, in the NFL. Absolutely. All right. Well, I uh, appreciate you joining me uh, again, uh, Bob Sushi, the voice of the New England Patriots. Uh, I appreciate uh, you uh, you talking some football with me. Uh, and uh, you're you're welcome back anytime. Love uh, love talking ball with guys who know what they're talking about. Hey, I really appreciate it, Matt. I I, uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, feel the same way. I don't. I feel like I don't really know what I'm talking about, especially when I'm talking to a <laughs> to a guy who who really truly knows. But it's great to be with you. Thank you so much. All right, I am Matt Minnick for Orange and Black Insider, and the Bengals Chalk Talk. Thank you for joining me once again. We uh, flipped the script a little bit this week. If you are listening to this uh, in podcast form, uh, we leading with uh, with our guest Bob Soshi, uh, the voice of 
the New England Patriots. So if you are somebody who, who watches on YouTube, uh, please do. Uh, you know, this is definitely the, the best area where you can actually see the film. Uh, but on the uh, podcast downloads, uh, I have a guest uh, almost every week. And this week, Bob Soshi uh, had a great conversation with him. So we put that up front, wanted to make sure that everybody uh, got a chance uh, to, to listen to that interview. Uh, great conversation with Bob Soshi, uh, who does the radio broadcast for the New England Patriots. All right, but now we're going to get into a little bit of film. So uh, we're going to focus the film study this week on the Patriots. So I've been talking for a while about Zach Taylor needs a win that he can hang his hat on. He needs a signature win, uh, something that will give him, give the team, give the administration uh, some confidence moving forward and maybe even attract some free agents, you know, by uh, showcasing what we have uh, in our in our young coach. Um, so we're going to focus on what they can do against the New England Patriots. Now, this is not going to be easy. Uh, and I think as we look at the games the rest of the season, this is the least likely game for them to win. Uh, but, you know, it's still an NFL game. There's a reason they play the game. And, uh, so we're going to talk about some things uh, that they can do and uh, how they might be able to uh, to pull this one off uh, and some things that, you know, uh, they could do to, to, to impress and to make everybody feeling good everybody feel good, excuse me, uh, going into year two under Coach Taylor. So we're going to start off. Look, the Patriots offense has been up and down. Uh, but the, the key, you know, important part of that offense uh, is, is Edelman. You know, that's, that's where Brady really wants to go with the ball. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to feel great about the rest of his receiver core. Um, and so, so it's all about Edelman. And we've seen teams uh, double-team him, you know, do some things to try and affect him. Uh, and that's really what I want to focus on talking about right away here. So a couple of weeks ago against the, the Houston Texans, uh, they actually threw a pick uh, that, that uh, you know, put them in a real bad spot. Uh, but it started off, it was, it was an empty. Edmund was the number three receiver. Uh, to the trip side, and there were twins on the other side. They motioned Edelman across the field. Uh, when when they did that, a defensive back went with him. Uh, you know, it was man coverage, and they lined him up really close to the number two receiver on the other side of the formation. So when that occurred, he took an outside release at first. The defensive back looked, uh, you know, broke with the outside release, and you know, a, a pick was created essentially because that number two receiver and his, you know, the guy defending him uh, got in the way. So then Edelman came back, all right, releases to the outside and then breaks to the inside. Uh, but even though he had moved, uh, there's a Mike linebacker right there. So this is really just a cover one look, uh, but that Mike linebacker was keying on, uh, you know, likely Edelman. Uh, you know, could be something that the teams just do the number three receiver sometimes. Uh, but he's keen on Edelman here. Uh, so, you know, think about it. You know, do the math. Uh, four pass rushers, all right? And if you're playing man-to-man, that's five more guys. That's nine. 
in cover one, you have a high free safety, but there's also a free linebacker. All right. And that's what people don't always think about. Don't always realize there's another free guy there. And I think a lot of times we talk about double teaming. We think about like the Patriots like to double team and put McCourty over the top. Um, you can double team the player over the top, but Edelman is probably more dangerous underneath for what he can do, you know, coming in and out of routes uh, and, and, you know, this exact type of route here. So how do they take that away? You know, they played him to the outside. They played him to the inside. And that defensive back knows he can play aggressively to the outside because when Edelman comes back in, there's another defender who's keen on him who's going to take that right away. They end up throwing the ball the other way and getting a pick on this, uh, you know, but, that's you know that's how you want to do that. You can bracket and play an inside and out, not just playing you know one guy underneath and one guy over. Now, obviously, you know bracketing inside out is beneficial for those underneath routes uh, that Edelman is well known for. Uh, but you know there's going to be an advantage to doing it when he's running vertically as well. Uh, so also in that game, he was lined up in the slot. Uh, in a two by two formation, uh, with the tight end receiving the other side and he's the slot on the two receiver side, uh, playing pretty tight. Now, the, uh, the Texans looked like they were in a cover two look, uh, but the safety to that side is really just playing inside element, uh, where they've got another defender, uh, lined up right over the top of him. Uh, I believe it's a nickel corner. So they're taking two defensive backs putting both of them there on Edelman. So you can play him inside and out like that. That time it leads to an incomplete pass. So there's different ways to bracket him and take that away. And, you know, you don't have to put your most talented player on him. You know, that's another thing that the Patriots don't really do anymore because uh, Gilmore is playing so out of his mind that they, they tend to put Gilmore on the best receiver. Uh, but a lot of times, historically, They've put their best corner uh, in man coverage on the second best guy, uh, and and bracketed the best player. Uh, Antonio Brown is the guy they rarely matched up man to man with Antonio Brown. They usually just put two guys on him. So there's a variety of ways you can do that. Now the big thing, you know, figure out where's Edelman lining up. You know, and when you're game planning, when you're looking at the film, you think where are they putting Edelman? What is he doing? You know, where is he getting his targets from? Um, and then you try and take that away. Uh, and looking at what his alignments are, breaking that down, you know, very specifically for how you want to play it, uh, it defensively. Because there's probably some alignments where he doesn't get targeted at all. Uh, you know, and, and the, definitely his alignment uh, within the formation, uh, whether he's the number one, the number two, the number three, whether he's, you know, in a tighter than usual alignment, whether he's, he's bunched, when they send him in motion, there's going to be tendencies uh, to what he does in all of those situations. So you can break it down by all those things and come up with a plan and figure out what you want to do there. So, you know, that brings us to um, the other the other opportunity here uh, is baiting it, right? So you frustrate them by having him bracketed and having him double covered, but you also want to make him appear uncovered. Uh, and then you could bring in defenders from different areas to try and make a play in the ball, try and get a pick. Because uh, you need to be able to steal possessions, especially um, when you're playing in a game like this where you're playing from behind. Uh, you need you need to be able to give your offense another shot, put, you know, put points on the board. When was the last time we put points on the board on defense? 
uh, in Cincinnati. Um, hasn't really been something that, that happened this year. Um, I remember actually getting that feeling against the Steelers. I, I had that, that feeling in my gut. I was like, this is a game where they needed defense to score to win. Some games are like that. Um, and, you know, especially when you're playing from behind, um, you know, um, what I mean by that is when you're playing an opponent who is expected to beat you, you've got to be able to come up, you know, create situations on defense on special teams where you either score or you set up a score for your offense. And, you know, given some of the red zone struggles the Bengals have had and some of the kicking issues they've had, you know, it's, it's best if they can, they can score for themselves so we can uh, avoid some of those things. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to uh, set that up. Take advantage of those situations when you know what the route is, bait it, and be able to steal that. So the Texans gave us one example of something like that uh, with Edelman lined up uh, as the slot receiver. Uh, had a, kind of a slow release and then came across, digging across the formation. The uh, slot corner lets him go, uh, and the linebackers are biting up and playing on a play action. Uh, so, you know, really appears open, uh, but read the safety, you know, plays it real slow, stays on the top, he's aware of it, and he breaks right on the ball and is able to make a play on the ball. Doesn't get the pick, but able to make a play on the ball. So that's one example, you know, let him, let him look like he's open and bait him, and that's something you could do with Jesse Bates. The other thing you can do is you can come from the air direction. So, you know, we've seen uh, both Sam Hubbard, uh, and, you know, especially this week with, with Hubbard out, uh, Carl Lawson dropping into coverage. Uh, so being able to take really anybody, uh, you know, from a, a pass rushing from a down lineman type position, uh, and drop them off, uh, you know, create a situation because Edelman, they like to throw to him across the middle quite a bit, create a situation where it looks like there isn't anybody there, and then boom, th- those guys pop out and come underneath that. That's, that creates an opportunity for a turnover as well. Uh, now, obviously, we, none of us love it when Andre, uh, excuse me, Andrew Billings uh, <laughs> drops back. Uh, he's probably, I don't know, I haven't seen his hands. Uh, he's probably not the guy that, uh, you know, that's going to make that pick, certainly. Uh, or likely not the guy that's going to make it a, a touchdown either. Uh, but, you know, a guy like Lawson, a guy like Howard, maybe they make that play. Maybe they turn it around, turn, uh, turn it into a big play. So, uh, you know, definitely something else to think about is uh, is sending somebody, uh, you know, you know, take a, take a step, uh, strike on the guard, strike on the tack, whatever it is, and boom, drop off uh, and look to get a, a pick. Uh, on one of those uh, quick hitting routes. Um, I mean, you can even be a linebacker that's walked up on the line. It's a little, um, you know, not quite as good of a disguise because linebackers drop off a little bit more often. But, yeah, I mean, you can do it with visual. You can do it with Pratt. You can walk those guys up uh, and pop them off. You know, uh, definitely, uh, you know, something you can do as well. Uh, You can even, you know, use it and get a read, Uh, you know, put both linebackers up there, you know, read the guard, see who's going to be picked up, who's going to be free, uh, and drop off, uh, drop off off opposite that. That's going to put more pressure on Brady, uh, and, you know, put them in a better position to score. So, uh, but we'll get into putting pressure on Brady, uh, in just a second. So, uh, where I want to go now, uh, is, is talking about getting hits, uh, on Edelman and, you know, you know, really shocking Edelman. So getting some hits on Edelman is going to help you out as well because it disrupts the timing of the route. 
Uh, and, you know, Brady's all about timing, all about, you know, being on schedule. He's expecting receivers to be at a certain place at a certain time. Uh, and Edelman uh, against Kansas City lined up uh, to the right of Brady. Uh, he was the, the slot in twins. Uh, and they had three receivers opposite him. Uh, and he's looking to, uh, you know, to get across the formation. And, you know, what happens, they're, they're in the zone, but still that, that slot defender gets a shot on him. You know, disrupts him and throws off the timing, and and you know he's not where he needs to be uh, to make the play on the ball. And you can see on the other side of the formation, you know that number three receiver, I believe, is, uh, I believe that's Lacoste with the tight end. Uh, but you know they're getting they're getting on him too. They're getting hands on him and disrupting his eyes. Really, you see him kind of almost starting to kind of fold down a little bit. So uh, look, it, it comes down to. The game plan they used way back in the day to beat the Rams. You know, you, you disrupt timing by getting shots on these receivers, disrupt the timing of things. Um, and then, you know, really the other guy you got to worry about is James White. Uh, so when James White's in the field, how uh, do you disrupt him? And the answer to that question is pass rush. Um, and, you know, since they've had – Carl Lawson back. Yeah, I really think that's one of the biggest things uh, that, that this defense has got, had going for it. You know, with Lawson in there, um, you know, he really completes that front, gives them another you know, stud uh, you know, on the other side of Dunlap um, who can really get after the passer uh, from, the, from the edge. And, you know, that's going to force them to, to leave a running back in or to at least get a chip. You know, and, and here Dunlap, you know, excuse me, uh, Lawson coming off the ball, he's got the running back to that side. That running back has to has to account for him, you know, in some capacity. He's got to check and make sure he's going wide. You know, a lot of times they're going to get a chip on him with the tight end uh, in this game, you know, with the running back as well. So that's how you slow down uh, White. You know, the, the big thing about it is, just get after the quarterback so he can't get out of there as fast uh, because he's ne- neglecting those responsibilities. Uh, the other thing is, you know, again, you hit him, you mug him, you know, and when he's trying to get out, especially when he's trying to get out in the middle, you know, if there's a, a linebacker who's in man on him, then you, you got to hit him. You know, you, you got you to hit him, you got to disrupt that, you get that out later so he's not there uh, because when they're getting out of the backfield, uh, you know, running backs – Sometimes they're checkdowns, sometimes they're primaries, you know, the, but, you know, it's, it's usually either you're expecting him there right away uh, to get him the ball because he's the primary, or you're expecting him there when you're in trouble because he's the checkdown. Uh, so if you can disrupt him, that's going to pay uh, major, major dividends for you. Now, talking about, uh, talking about the front, here's the other big thing. Uh, they have got to be able to stuff the run. And we have seen some improvements in this area. Uh, over the last few weeks, and now this is a real test. You know, the, the uh, Patriots' whole line has not been great. Uh, you know, and they haven't been great running the ball. Uh, but, you know, this is going to be a real test for them. Lawson stepped up in a big way and looked really good against the run last week, uh, you know, with Hubbard out. Hubbard has been excellent on the edge. Uh, obviously, Dunlap, uh, you know, gets after Geno Atkins. Uh, has been basically a one-man run defense at, at, at points uh, this season for the Bengals, um, Andrew Billings, Ronell Wren, uh, you know, stepped up as well. Billings was a monster a week ago. Um, so, 
some good things going on there. Um, I actually did a film room this week on Cincy Jung. You should check out uh, specifically on Lawson uh, against the run because we all know we can get after the passer, you know, uh, but uh, he showed in this Cleveland game he doesn't have to be a specialist. You know, he's a guy that can be on the field more for you. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, Pratt and Vigil. Uh, you know, since Pratt has been in there, Vigil has been a lot better. And uh, Pratt has gotten a lot better, too. Uh, and I have been firm on this. I was a big uh, fan of Pratt coming out, big supporter of him. Um, I gave him my second highest film grade of any linebacker in that class. Uh, there were some adjustments made for uh, workouts and, and such. Uh, but I thought he was a tremendous pick in the third round. Uh, and you know, he came out and, and right away he had a bad, bad, like one of the worst uh, pro football focus grades out there. Uh, but here's the thing. Like when you're getting limited reps, when you're getting pulled every time you make a mistake, um, you know, that's good coaching because you, you should know that when you make mistakes, there's you're going to lose playing time, but there's uh, consequences for that stuff. I, I got no problem with that from a coaching standpoint. But when you're looking at grades, <laughs> of course your grade's going to be bad because you don't have time to make it up. You don't have time to – you're not able to have good reps because you get pulled up to the bad one. Um, so you don't have time to even it out if you're not getting all those reps. And you're getting better. You know, there's a lot going on for a linebacker. He's showing some things in his processing. Uh, you know, the, he, he's a smart player. You know, he, he he's done some really good things. Um, and, you know, at, at times, you know, I, I showed a clip a few weeks ago where you could see him after the play telling Vigil why he was wrong. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, and I broke it down in the clip why exactly that was. Um, so, you know, you know, Pratt's doing some good things, and, and he's getting better as he's been in there. Uh, Joe Goodberry uh, tweeted this week uh, his increases uh, in, his, in his pro football focus grades uh, since he's been a starter, and it's been a steady increase. So uh, still work to go, but – Again, I've been adamant on this. Even when he was struggling, I was putting out positive film room content on him and saying, hey, here's some mistakes, but stick with this guy because uh, there are definitely some positives there. Hopefully, uh, he keeps growing. So those guys ought to step up. They have to be able to uh, to stuff the run and take away the run game, um, get, to the, you know, get to the quarterback, affect Edelman, affect James White. Um, can they do it? I don't know. It's a tall task, but that's the game plan. You know, that's what you want to do. That's what you need to do if you're going to do something, uh, if you're going to slow down this Patriots offense. And you're going to need to slow down this this Patriots offense because, you know, the Bengals haven't been great at scoring points, uh, and guess what? The Patriots have a very, very good defense, um, you know, and, you know, they're still doing very, very well, um, even, even though they have had a, a couple of rough games. Uh, you know, it's it's a very good group. Now, there are some ways that you, that you can hit this group. Uh, and the first one I'll, I'll touch on, like, they got to be able to run the ball. They've been much better running the ball in the last few weeks. Uh, and a big part of that is, you know, some schematic change uh, that John Sheeran has broken down on Cincy Jungle uh, in weeks past. Uh, but, you know, they're doing a lot of that, uh, the toss play with getting the guard and center out in front and getting on the edge a little bit. Now, the Patriots, the Patriots have good edge players. You know they can hold an edge, but they don't have a lot of speed at the linebacker position. 
you know, not as much as you would think. So, um, much like that has been a problem for the Bengals. They don't, when, if they don't have an edge and they don't have the speed at linebacker, uh, it was, it was trouble against the 49ers and other teams. Um, that can be, you know, something that you can utilize against the Patriots as well. If you can get that edge, if you can get that edge player blocked, open up something in there, you know, even, even a cutback or getting uh, on the edge, that is going to create opportunities for you. Uh, so that toss play is a tremendous opportunity. They had a, a ton of success with it. Uh, against the Browns. Uh, and really, you know, Mixon had, a, had an excellent day. Uh, I broke down in a, a film room this week, uh, on Cincy Jungle. You should check out, uh, all the things that, you know, they did with their, with their running backs. Some really good stuff out of Mixon, uh, and Bernard, uh, you know, in the run game and pass game a little bit too. Uh, and, you know, the old line looked pretty good too. You know, those guys weren't out, out there doing it by themselves. So, uh, definitely, some good stuff there. Uh, but there is an, another way that they can attack uh, the Patriots in the run game. I don't know if you caught the Patriots game last weekend or not, uh, but you may have noticed, checking your fantasy scores, that Travis Kelsey uh, ran in a touchdown. Uh, and, and how did he do it? He did it in a way that is going to look very similar to Bengals fans. Uh they ran uh, an option look uh, out of like a loaded backfield with running backs on either side of him. They actually put Mahomes behind him. Uh, he didn't really do any much. He just kind of ran off the other direction. Um, could be setting up a, a trick play later on, though. But anyway, um, and and you know what do they do? They pull a guard around, and it's a quarterback power play. This is the bread and butter of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and, it, and it hurt the Patriots against the Ravens. Um, you know, Lamar didn't have, you know, the crazy game like he did once against the Bengals, but, um, you know, but he made some plays and they made some plays on these, on these read plays. So the Patriots have had problems against quarterbacks who can run the ball against a quarterback running game. And, Look, if, if you put a guy back there and you and you have to account for the quarterback, that's one guy who's out of the equation. That could be that could be the difference for you. So, you know, this is something the Bengals could look to do, and it's not really Dalton's forte. Uh, he's an athlete, but he's not a runner. Uh, so, you know, do you do it? Do you do it with Geo? Do you do it with Alex Erickson that we've seen through through a ball already? Um, can't do it with Mohamed Sanu because he's on the Patriots now, but. You know, working in a wildcat uh, package, you know, of and maybe running it, maybe ten plays in the game. You know, like like go and do it a little bit. Um, you know, that'd be a little bit heavy, but you know, actually go into it and use it, especially in situations like this. You know, Kelsey scored a touchdown because they ran the goal line. You know, run it in those tough situations. Um, you know, you, you use a guy you can trust. That's why I think Geo would be a good one because I think he's a guy that they would trust to to make those reads and, and do things like that. And obviously, you know, excellent athlete, t- you know, tough guy to tackle. So now you're getting you're getting Geo and uh, mixing, you know, both in the in the mix. Uh, be you know because you're you're able to run that option with Geo. Um, I think that'd be, I think that would be really impressive to see that the coaching staff go to something like that and utilize their talent in that way, in particular against the Patriots, who have shown some struggles against that type of look, dating back to when the Wildcat offense first came into the NFL uh, with the Miami Dolphins. So, um, Wildcat, 
that's another thing that, that you can uh, that you can look at with this. Now, uh, passing the ball is going to be really tough. Uh, the Patriots have a lot of really good DBs, you know, and they're, they're going to do a good job with matchups. Gilmore uh, is a lockdown shutdown guy. Uh, J.C. Jackson, excellent man coverage guy. Some people don't know about McCourty, very good in zone. Uh, that's Jason McCourty, obviously. Devin, uh, very talented safety as well. Uh, and, you know, and then, uh, you know, Jonathan Jones, uh, in the slot. So they've got, they've got some talented guys. Uh, you know, they can move around, they can do some different things with, and they can get the matchups, uh, that they want. So, you know, first things first, like John Ross, uh, get Ross the ball, spread out, spread out the defense, take some shots, you know, do the things that you did in those first couple of games, you know, score some, some touchdowns on big plays, uh, to John Ross, you know, you got to use him in that way. You got to open it up. You can work meshes. You can work, uh, you know, uh, pick routes, uh, you know, you know meshes in the drive concept, uh, running back wheels, uh, you know, wheeling the running back out of there. That's, you know, he's going to be matched up a lot of times on a linebacker. You're going to have a favorable matchup in that situation. Uh, and you can also, you know, Take him, take those running backs and line them up out, the, out of the backfield. Cause again, a lot of times they're going to get really favorable. So I've, you know, pushed for a long time along with a lot of people to get the running backs more involved in the passing game. Joe Mixon is an underrated talent in that area. Uh, and obviously Giovanni Bernard can do some things too. And with a, an offense where we have a lot of contested ball type receivers and not a lot of guys that can create separation using guys like Giovanni Bernard could be a great situation for you. Um, and, you know, in the Browns game, uh, they took a shot at Mixon. You know, they have uh, used Bernard in out, out pass routes every once in a while and, you know, excuse me, lined up at receiver. And that's been great to see. Uh, they did this with Mixon against the Browns uh, late in the second quarter, came out an empty all right, an empty backfield with Mixon as the wider receiver uh, to the twin side on the left. Uh, and he had a matchup with Mac Wilson. That's a favorable matchup. Mac Wilson, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, not somebody you think of uh, in coverage. You know, he's a, you get a, a running back out there and a linebacker, you're, you're generally thinking you're in a pretty good position. Uh, and, you know, what happens? Mixon gets a good release. He's in good position. The ball's just a little off. You know, a little, little inside and, and it doesn't end up getting completed. Uh, but Mixon ran a good route. I mean, that's a potential touchdown if you really hit him in stride. Um, so do more stuff like that. Line running backs, you know, get running backs out of the backfield, line those guys up out there. Uh, those are the things you need to do. Uh, so can this team beat the New England Patriots right now? <sighs> I don't know, but I never count anything out, right? And, and again, I want to see something out of this coaching staff. I want to see them step up and do something. Um, and, and this could be that type of situation. You know, what if they can do this? You know, what if they can do this? What if they can pull this one off? Um, we're all afraid of losing out on Joe Burrow, and I get it. Um, you know, maybe this is the only game to win the rest of the year. But if they can win this, you know, again, it's 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 going to do a lot for their confidence going into the offseason program, uh, and maybe it attracts, maybe it helps to attract some free agents. You know, seeing wow, they they be, they knocked out Belichick. You know, they were having a bad season and they managed to pull that thing off. Um, 
you know, it could pay some dividends. They're less obvious dividends than losing every game in the, in the first round pick. Uh, but, they're, but they're dividends, you know. Um, and then hopefully, you know, we'll see the Giants win a game and we'll be okay in that situation. Um, but you get a root for your team. You get a root for your team. And again, as I wrote last week on City Jungle, winning is important. Uh, winning is most certainly important. You gotta win football games. All right. So, uh, we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, uh, I guess some ideas, I guess some thoughts on it. I don't feel great about it. Don't get me wrong. Don't, you know, don't call me crazy. It's be like, man, what is this guy talking about? Um, but I, you know, I, I, I see a path. I see some ways and it was some lucky breaks. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe it's not going to happen. So, all right. Matt Minnick for Orange and Black Insider. Check me out on Cincy Jungle. Check out my, my, uh, guest today, Bob Soshi as well. Uh, the voice of the New England Patriots. Uh, great interview with him today. Really appreciated that. And we'll be right back here next week talking about the next game. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. Yeah, we coming for with flowers. You hear the crowd? We coming for with flowers. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.